right, so for those of you who are with us in Sunday School, we were in Luke, and we're going to stay in Luke, so you can turn to Luke chapter 10. And I'm used to church being rather informal where I am, so if you guys have questions or comments or smart remarks as we go, you can feel free to chime in, so don't feel bashful. You can raise your hand or just yell it out. Um, if you raise your hand, I might see you and stop talking first. But, yeah, did you? Smart remarks. Which, whichever kind of smart remark you might have, feel free to share it. <laughs> wise man and a wise guy. I've seen whole lists of those in the English language as to why fat chance and slim chance mean the exact same thing, right? <laughs> but I've seen whole lists. I can't remember them all, but there's a whole bunch of those types of things. Like English makes absolutely no sense. When, yeah, when, yeah, when I was a kid, I was just a kid, so I was just helping out. But my the church I was at, we did ESL for for Russians at at our church, and um, they hated the English language. None of it made any sense to them at all. And so it was kind of interesting seeing from their perspective. Well, you pronounce it this way if it's here, but you don't pronounce it if it's here, or you pronounce it. <laughs> To us, we're just so used to it, we don't even realize it. But when you try to teach somebody English, you realize it's actually kind of a weird language. But anyway, have you guys ever, I was in South Africa for six months uh, a couple of years ago. Have any of you guys ever been to a foreign country? When I was in South Africa, I stayed with an Indian family from India. And there's actually a very large population of Indians that live in South Africa on the, the Indian Ocean, back when Eng England had all these places as colonies, a lot of Indians came over to South Africa and worked. So I stayed with an Indian family in South Africa, which is pretty interesting. And when I first, the first couple months I was there, they always ate with a knife and a fork. But then once they got used to me, they just started eating everything with their hands, the curry, they, they'd use bread to scoop it all up, because that was how they normally would eat. And their daughter, who was 25 or so, she lived in a big city, uh, Johannesburg, a little ways away. And she came to visit, and she started eating what they call hand bread with a knife and fork. And her brother got so angry with her. How dare you eat hand bread? And he's slamming the table. He's very upset that she would be eating hand bread with a, a knife and a fork because then she was doing what was culturally acceptable in the big city, but that's not how they did it here. So, and the point in those stories is sometimes there's things that that we do that they're not necessarily right or wrong universally, right? But in certain places, it's not culturally acceptable to do that here. It might be culturally acceptable to spit that red whatever thing it was, bark of some sort, out in New Guinea. But if you do that in my home, that's not okay. <laughs> and there's, there's always things like that. In any culture, there are certain things that are just okay or not okay, depending on where you are, who you're with, etc., etc. And that's kind of the, the situation we're going to enter into in this story. So we're in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Probably a story you've heard before. I kind of enjoy, when I study, to look at passages that I've always thought and read it one way and always heard it one way, and then when I discover that I've always read it wrong, I'm kind of attracted to preach those types of passages. So... This is a passage I've always heard preached one way, but when I really took time to study it, I saw that it actually had a different tint to it. So, the story of Mary and Martha, I'm sure you've heard. 
As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me all the work to do by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Alright, so, anybody who has their Bibles open, can you tell me the passage that comes right before this? This is the story. It's a story we've all heard before. It's actually a parable. We didn't talk about it in Sunday school this morning, but it is a parable. Yeah, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what is the Good Samaritan about? What's the point of the story? Anybody know? I'll remind you of the story. So there's this, this guy who gets robbed, and he's beat up, and he's on the side of the road, and a priest walks by and doesn't do anything about it, and a... Um, a Levite walks by, doesn't do anything about it, and then finally a Samaritan, somebody who none of them liked, everybody thought you know, these dirty, low-down, scum-of-the-earth Samaritans, um, he stops and he helps this man. And he cleans him up and he takes him to a place to stay and he pays for him to stay there. And this is all in answer to a question, who is my neighbor? So Jesus is asked, you know, what does it mean? What's the center of the law? What's the point of the law? And he says, you, you know this, love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy says, well, then who is my neighbor? And he gives an example. It's, it's anybody, right? Anybody you might find on the side of the road. And the whole point of this story is really to tell you what it means to love your neighbor. What does it look like, like to love your neighbor? And this next story might not seem like it, but it's actually answering the other part of what it looks like, what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So remember, the, the center of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. So these two stories actually go together. It's answering both parts of that. What does it look like to love your neighbor? What does it look like to love the Lord your God? When we hear the story, when I've always heard the story, and this isn't completely wrong, I've always, but it, it's it doesn't get the main point, I don't think. How I've always heard this story is you have a, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? If you're a Mary, you're somebody who sits at the Lord's feet and you're, 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 you're love, you love Him and you're devoted to Him. And if you're Martha, you're somebody who's just too busy to pay attention to God. And you're, you need to just slow down and, and, and not be so busy. And that's how I've always heard it preached. But if you think about this passage and this story from the, the perspective of the time in which it was written, so just imagine this scene. You're in a house, and it, remember, their houses aren't, don't have four bedrooms and a kitchen and a dining room. It's usually a one-bedroom house. I mean, not one bedroom, it's one room. And you have somebody preparing food over a fire. Jesus is sitting here teaching. His disciples are all with him. And he's teaching his disciples, and he's teaching them something on the law or something about... Um, himself, or, or who knows what Jesus is teaching at this point. Maybe he's telling a parable. And Mary is sitting there, and she's listening, and she's becoming part of this. And when you're a disciple, and you're sitting at Jesus' feet, this type of thing, he would ask you a question, you would answer it. You might ask him a question, he would answer it. It'd be back and forth. This is how teachers taught in those days. What maybe would be kind of strange about Mary sitting there? Any ideas? 
No, they didn't. So the women weren't supposed to participate in this. This was something for the men. So the, you have a, a male teacher who would teach male disciples and male students, and the women weren't really supposed to be a part of this. It was, it was actually would be very off. It's kind of like spitting out that juice in your, in a, in an American home. You know, in our culture, for for the women who are here to sit here, it's not strange, right? We're all used to it. That's normal. There's nothing. Nobody thinks, wow, how, how is a woman sitting here in church? That's unspeakable. How can we allow this? Nobody had that thought when we sat down today. But in their culture, in their period, they would have that thought. What's probably going on is people thinking, this is very shameful. How can she sit there? Maybe they're even feeling embarrassed for Martha because her sister is sitting here and making a, a spectacle of herself. So in a public room where men would meet, the women would be in the kitchen. They're working in the kitchen. They're preparing. They're bringing food out to the men, but they're not participating in the actual teaching. Only outside where little children would play would male and female mix or in the bedroom. Other than that, men and women did not mix. They did not associate together. For a woman to settle down comfortably with men was bordering on scandalous. This is shameful. This is a scandal. It's not even really about superiority or inferiority of men and women. It's just that they're supposed to be divided, and this is how things were thought to be appropriate. Back in a certain day in the United States, you'd have men on one side, women on the other side. If a woman sat on the men's, men's side, that would be considered scandalous in some sense. It's kind of like that. So she's sitting at the feet of the teacher. She's sitting at the feet of the master rabbi, and people are... What, thinking, what is she doing? How can she be sitting there? What is she thinking? But nobody probably wants to say anything, but it's, it's rather an awkward situation. This is from a Jewish writing at the same time to kind of give you a, a sense of what might be going on. From the book Ben Sirach. Do not sit down with women, for a moth comes out of their clothes, and a woman's spite comes out of a woman. A man's spite is preferable to a woman's kindness because women give rise to shame and reproach. Uh, obviously, I don't agree with that statement, but this is, this is kind of how they thought. Don't sit with women. So here's a woman sitting with the men, listening to the teaching at the same time, and everybody's wondering, why is this happening? Martha is working in the kitchen. She's probably giving Mary looks like, what are you doing? Get out of there. What are you doing? Come help me. She's maybe giving hints. Anything to end the situation. She's probably trying to even protect her sister of you're embarrassing yourself, you're bringing shame on us, get out of this situation, um, is probably at least the 12 disciples. There may be more men of the city that came, maybe there's 20, 30 men here, one woman, Mary, and it looks weird, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. What's go- what is this probably what's going on in Martha's head? She's thinking, this is disgraceful. What's happening to us? What's going to happen my sister has joined the band of men. What will the neighbors say? What will our family think? After this, who will marry her? She's disgraced. Nobody will want to marry her. Nobody will want anything to do with her. Is, is that too much to expect for her to get up and come help me? So finally, she's probably giving hints. She's probably saying things to Mary under her breath, but Mary's not paying any attention. So finally, she comes to Jesus. This is a last resort because... Now it's public. You say it out loud, everybody's hearing it. It's rather an embarrassing thing to acknowledge in public. But she's at her last resort, so she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone? Tell her to come into the kitchen and help me. 
So she tells Jesus to end the situation for her. Everybody in the room is probably expecting that Jesus will do this. Everybody in the room is probably expecting Jesus to say, Mary, get up, help your sister. And everybody would breathe a sigh of relief because this awkward situation is now over. Everybody's feeling awkward at this point. Um, But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Instead, he says, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. And Martha, you're being distracted by other things. Everybody in the room is got to be shocked. And what are you thinking, Jesus? What are you thinking? <laughs> don't you realize? Don't you realize she's a woman? Can't you tell? Aren't you looking? Aren't you paying attention? Well, you're bringing shame on all of us now. Now it's not just on Mary. Now you're telling her this is the right thing to do. And now we all look bad. Now we're not just thinking what the neighbors would think of Mary. We're asking what would the neighbors think of us? What will the family think of us? Um, what will the rest of the Jewish people think of us? Um, Martha is doing what everyone expects. She's serving. She's working hard. She's making sure that the physical needs of Jesus and disciples are being cared for. There's, this is, there's pride in this hard work. A good type of pride. It's, it's good to work hard. She's doing what she's supposed to be doing. But her sister is sitting among the men, asking questions, responding to Jesus. His disciples are shocked. This is inappropriate. Her sister is getting attention that's not desired attention. Nothing can get her out of this situation. And Jesus, on top of it all, is saying she's doing the right thing. Anybody have an idea why Jesus says this is the right thing? Why is it the right thing? Being at Jesus' feet, being Jesus' disciple, learning from Jesus is more important. It trumps any cultural expectation that might be placed upon you. So what everybody else is expecting of Mary, what everybody else thinks Mary should be doing, that's less important than being at Jesus' feet and being his disciple. And I think for us, how we've applied the story traditionally, I think there's some truth in that, that sometimes people would expect us to be doing all these things, be busy doing this and be busy doing that, and instead, we take time aside on Sunday and we, we worship God and we study the Word and sometimes we do that during the week as well. But there's, there's other things. I think as a, as a parent, not yet, but when my kids are older, there will be expectations that they need to be involved in these sports programs and need to be involved in this and they need to be involved in that and this and this and this. But as a, as a Christian parent, there are things more important than all of those, right? That even if it means that they don't get to do everything everybody else gets to do. I, I want them to take time aside and go to church. I want them to take time aside and read their Bibles and do study and those types of things. That's not what everybody else expects. And that's, that's true of all kinds of things. At work, there are pressures at work to work so many hours and to, to take on so many projects and all this types of stuff. But you need to take put time aside to worship. You need to put time aside for God. You need to put time time aside for your family, that there's other obligations that God has called you to that might make you look bad in certain situations. If you say, no, I can't, can't work on Sunday, or no, I can't work on this day, it might make you look bad to your employers. They may think less of you. It may not be what's expected of you in your company. It may have some consequences for it. But being the disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, it trumps whatever else is expected of you. There are times when the decisions that you make and the way that you live your life might look weird to the rest of the world. You might stand out like Mary did 
and people think, what is wrong with you? Don't, why don't you live like everybody else? And there ought to be times like that for us as Christians. There ought to be times when people would look at us and think, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you like everybody else? We should be different. We should stand out. I think, unfortunately, for Christians, a lot of times, that we have focused on the wrong types of things to stand out. We've focused on how, we, how long our hair is or how, what kind of music we listen to. Not the music as far as the words, but maybe the musical beats or, or these things that are very peripheral. What you eat and don't eat, what you drink or don't drink, um, what you wear or don't wear. That sometimes we focus on the things that really on the outside appearance that make us stand out. And um, what really should stand out is what's on our inside and what's in our heart and what we care about, what we focus on, where we spend our time, where we put our energies, what we really, um, or where our goals and dreams and hopes lie. It's weird in this world, in our culture, for our hopes and dreams to lie in things of God and not in having a large retirement account when we get older or not to lie in building up ourselves in our business world and climbing the ladder or in not having these dreams of that the world deems is what we should be searching for, things that, that fade away after we die. The types of things our hopes and dreams should be focused on are things that are eternal. So we're focusing on building for the kingdom of God. We're building on, on focusing on bringing in people to, to his service and we're focusing on things that last and things that matter. To the world that doesn't believe that, that's weird. That's strange. It doesn't make any sense. We're wasting our time. We're wasting our energy. We should be having fun. We should be enjoying ourselves. We should be working to have more money. But for us, our focus that trumps all other focuses should be being a disciple of Jesus. And that that means that we look strange, or that we look odd, or that we make some worldly types of sacrifices, it should trump that. Any questions or, or comments on that? Or maybe examples that you can think of that um, are, are some expectations of us culturally that as Christians we should be different. Yeah, thanks. It's, um, yeah, I'd always seen it one way, and then I really took some time and studied it. I realized that there's a little bit more going on. I don't think that the, the traditional message we've heard about not being too busy is wrong. I actually think that sometimes that is a cultural expectation of us, is that we do all these types of things. But I think there's, a, there's more to it than that, too. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, no, you're good. I just want to open it up. If we're going to be... Uh, this in, we're going to be informal today. You guys can participate if you'd like to. And it would be very rude if you were in that in that situation and your kid went first. Everybody would see that as absolutely a horrible thing to do. You know, if your your kid went up before any of the adults and took a bunch of food, that would be a very shameful thing. You would look very bad. And I think that's kind of what's going on in this situation. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be. Uh, yeah, another example. This wasn't me. <laughs> this, that, bring, that brings mind another example. Um, a missionary I knew in South Africa. This didn't happen to me, thankfully. It would be horrible. Um, but they got invited to, this, to eat food at this family's house. It was a tribal family. And they didn't eat. Only the missionaries ate because they didn't have enough food to eat themselves. 
but it would have been, again, a slap in the face to them if you didn't eat. So they, they, they put all the money together they could to make this big feast for them, but they didn't have enough food to eat. So they just sat there and watched them eat. And they, you know, you imagine how awkward you would feel to eat in front of this family. It's much poorer than you are, but if you refuse, then they're going to take it as this massive insult. So, <laughs> again, the cultural differences sometimes can make a very big difference. Things that really, like Mary being am, among the students, to us, is, there's nothing wrong with that, but in their culture, that would feel very shameful. And I think sometimes the world makes us feel ashamed to be a Christian or makes us feel ashamed to be a, a follower of Christ. There are some ways in which we feel that sometimes if we're, if we're not careful. And I think that that's part of what's going on here is that anything that, that the world puts on you to feel ashamed about or embarrassed about being a follower of Jesus, is, it's trumped by being a follower of Jesus. That following Jesus, learning at his feet, trumps any other obligation or cultural expectation that might be put upon you. It's really hard to talk. That's that's a good example because I think sometimes there is this expectation that we won't talk about the Lord in those types of situations because we can't talk about politics or religion because it makes everybody angry. And so the expectation is we're just going to to do whatever is most peaceable, whatever is easiest, because we don't want to cause trouble. But again, being a follower of Jesus trumps that. So sometimes we have to go into awkward conversations or or say things that won't necessarily make people happy because we really do love them and care about them and that's part of what it, it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that's, a, that's a very good example. Father, thank you for these people here that love you, that love your word. Father, I, I pray that, that you will strengthen us and empower us to when we're in these situations where it is awkward to be your disciple, where it is sometimes we might be embarrassed um, to, to follow you or be embarrassed to, to do what you want us to do, that you will give us the strength to do that anyway. And that there are times in which we are going to look strange, we're going to look weird, we're going to be different than everybody else. Um, Father, give us that power and that strength to withstand the temptation to be like everyone else in those situations. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time with these people to worship you and to study. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.